Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Numbers, your sports podcast. There's no statistics anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracing. I'm Corwin Heller. And uh, it is about quarter after 5 p.m. here on the East Coast on July 6th. We've made it uh, past America's birthday. Yeah. Uh, uh, what a great day. Well, oh, fuck. Who cares? <laughs> Shit's awful. I hate it. Um, but anyway, uh, stuff to talk about. We're on a time crunch. It's going to be a short one because I have better things to do, um, which means I will choose those. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so figure today, um, we're going to start off jumping straight in and talking about, uh, an exciting trade that happened earlier, just today before recording. Love it when that shakes out. Uh, I feel like we've been getting lucky recently. I feel like there hasn't been too many things as of late that have come out post recording. Um, but. The big news is that the Cleveland Browns have traded a former, I guess, starting quarterback, Baker Mayfield, to the Carolina Panthers uh, in exchange for a 2024 conditional draft pick that I think can be up to um, a fourth. Uh, in addition, they will be splitting the remaining salary. The Panthers will be paying... million of Mayfield salary while the Browns will be covering the remaining two thirds of um, 10.5 million. And the, uh, what was left over from that, there's apparently $18.8 million from there that make that Mayfield had agreed to turn into incentives rather than base salary. Does that's all that, snippet or article offer any information on dead cap moving forward after this year? Uh, It does not from what I see. Which is fine. I'll just assume that Carolina is taking the rest of it after this year. Um, I know our first question is always uh, who won this trade or, or who got fucked. I don't think like, I don't love this trade for either team. Um, but at the very least Cleveland was able to get a draft pick for Baker Mayfield. I think it'll be a fourth. I, I don't see Sam Darnold beating out Baker Mayfield. Um, that being said, I, Baker Mayfield isn't going to turn the Carolina Panthers around. We kind of know who he is. Yeah. <sighs> It's a, okay, sure, that was the obvious pick for both teams. Cleveland desperately needed to get rid of them. Carolina desperately needed to make moves to save the front office their jobs. This was a match made in purgatory for both. Um, I, I honestly... All right, so, man, where do you even start? So Baker Mayfield needed to be traded. Yeah. Right. Like we got to start with that. He was not going to play for the Browns because, well, the Browns told him to go fuck himself really. um, And did not do right by him. So that's, Oh God, that's where to start, I guess. But from there, it's like, all right, well, what do you do? Because if you're the Browns front office, you have traded away your entire first round existence until 2025, 2026 in 2025. Yeah. Like the Browns, the Browns next draft pick, the next time the Browns have a draft pick is in 2023 and it's a conditional third round pick. After that, they have uh, two fourths, two fifths, a sixth and a seventh. 
Uh, yeah, the no first rounder in 2024, and it looks like they have all their picks in 2025. Okay, so the next first round pick is 2025. Oof. Um, that's an investment. It is. And so to get a fourth back up to a fourth, what could be as low as a fifth back and retaining $10 million of salary. I guess the easy way to justify it is there's a strong chance you pay Deshaun Watson nothing this year. So you're not really paying him anything this year anyway because of how his contract structured. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like even if he does play, he gets a million dollars. Like it, mm-hmm. like it, it, either way, the Browns aren't out anything really for Deshaun Watson's contract. So they can very reasonably chew on. Like, this is a reduction in their payroll, no matter what they're saving money, no matter what here. Um, but man, don't you think they'd get, don't you, can't you help but think that they will get more? Because I know Baker Mayfield has been so disappointing as of late or disappointing from what he could have been. But I don't know, man. This is just the thing. Like, it's a it's a supply demand discussion because there's a couple of teams that have guys that they would be very willing to get rid of. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the 49ers, even though they've been trying to unhaul him for what two seasons now and there's really not many uberly needy teams at quarterback so that added on with the fact that everyone knows that the browns aren't you know in the midst of a bidding war where at the end of the day they can just say ah fuck it we'll keep them because they know they really need to get rid of him um so i don't think it's crazy that Carolina was able to get a, you know, beneficial offer. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that I don't think Baker Mayfield's a above average QB. I think he would be a, he, his best day is above average. That's not going to be a franchise QB. So out of all the teams that needed him. There's like, or need a franchise QB. There was like, what, two or three teams that would be even willing to put bids in. It's tough. So Real going tough. through a list of um, likely 2022 NFL starters, you know, head, you know, so heading into the beginning of the season in a few months, uh, I'm going to just call out teams that probably – could hypothetically use an update at quarterback or uh, competition, maybe S- some some level of uncertainty. That's probably the best way of putting it uh, for the quarterback situation. The Houston Texans and Davis Mills. You muted. Oh no, no, you're good. You popped oh. back in. Sorry. About that. Um, they want to write out Davis Mills, and the way they're looking at it. <laughs> Baker Mayfield's not doing anything for their future. They are in full tank mode. They've been in full tank mode. They got a third round QB that looks like he could be a potential, you know, uh, holdover. You know, the, the, what is it? The, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Who might be a guy, might not be a guy. They'd rather roll the dice and see what they got with a young, essentially free quarterback rather than trading assets and having to pay significantly more. Uh, I don't think the Texans would even want them. Uh, interesting thought, anyway. The Indianapolis Colts' current quarterback end of the year is Matt Ryan. They are very much win now. Um, they hedged their bets with Carson Wentz. They were investing even more capital in Matt Ryan. If it was a pure signing situation, I could see them making a deal as, you know, signing Baker Mayfield on the cheap, but having to give up assets for him, you have a starter. I guess the thing I still can't get past starter. is if the deal was only – Let's just call it a fourth. Let's ignore the fact it's conditional. If the deal was It'll only a fourth. A, a fourth and five million bucks, like it seems like almost any team could be involved in this. And my my only thinking with the Colts is 
maybe to ensure you don't get fucked on an injury from an older QB. You make a play here to have the most dangerous backup QB in the league, just as a some insurance. I'm not convinced of that. Just why I picked this team to mention as well. What's the uh, what's the Colts cap space? Uh, I can find out for you in like uh, ten seconds. Thirteen and a half. It looks like Indianapolis Colts. I see twelve. That's fun. Spot. So here. yeah. Roughly half your cap space that you got left for a backup quarterback. That's tough. Eh. Who is their backup guy? I know that they have the Texas guy there. Here's an interesting one. Okay. Dolphins, current starting quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa. I think you ride with Tua. I think you have to too. Yeah. Um, the Steelers, Tua, who's current, Tua still has intense upside. I uh, sure. Um, the Steelers, who currently have listed as their quarterback, uh, three people because who knows, Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, and Mason Rudolph. Dude, we're trying to get rid of quarterbacks. We're we're not trading well, for anymore in the division. Would you? Would you? You get rid of a couple quarterbacks here. Like, would you take Mayfield over how many of these guys? To be the third stringer? No. Who do you think are the two guys above him? Pickett and uh, Mitch. You think Trubisky will go over... You think... Hold on. You think yeah, Mitchell dude. Trubisky is better than Baker Mayfield right now? I think Mitchell Trubisky is better than Baker Mayfield right now. Okay. They're going to have to incorporate this as some side action to like our bold predictions or something like that. I'll, yeah, absolutely. Are you, it, looked like you, it looked like you were leaning over to reach into your wallet and be like, I got it right here, bitch. I got, I got fucking dollars on this, on the table. Myths, myth, Trubisky, myth, myth, Trubisky, mythical Trubisky. I think for the offense that they are trying to run, they don't want a guy who's going to be a loose cannon on the field. I don't think that helps. Due to the 2021 MVP, how can you take that away from Mitchell Trubisky? The MVP. That's right. The Nickelodeon valuable player. Uh, Last year, Mitch Trubisky clocked six games for eight pass attempts. He had a total of yards of 43. So using his 2020 stats instead, in which he played in 10 games and had 297 pass attempts. He had 2,055 yards. Yeah. Mitch Trubisky is uh, here. Yeah. Mitchell Trubisky, I think on the field is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield moving forward. And if at the very, at the very least, I will be able to concede the fact that they are level with one another. I guess we will find out. Um, brings to the Falcons, whose current starting guys are Mariota and Desmond Ritter. Um, yeah. But I think the Falcons are probably also true tank right now. Uh, they wouldn't take yeah. a quarterback. Plus, again, I think you'd rather throw Desmond Ritter out there and see what he's got before you invest in another QB rather than have Baker be a fucking hope and a prayer that because he's not like the thing is like with Baker, like the teams that need a QB don't need the type of QB he is. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I think I'm quickly realizing as well, because I would have figured there'd be I mean, let's finish getting through this list. But I think I would have yeah. figured there'd be at least a couple other teams that would be in a position where they're everything but a quarterback or they're not I mean, necessarily everything, but they're one of the they're trying to improve now, not win now, but improve now in some way. Um. The Lions and Jared Goff. I'd rather have Jared Goff. Wow, you hate Baker, man. I don't think he's... Like, he had a lot of really great traits as a sophomore and a rookie QB. And he's only gotten worse over time. Okay, I have one that I think is also, once again, very interesting. The Saints with Jameis Winston. I would very much rather have Jameis over any of those guys. 
Jameis is the best QB we've talked about so far. Oh, uh, up until this past season, I think I would agree, but he had a really rough year last year. Pull up Actually, some stats. He Pull had up a, some stats. He had he a played, tremendous season last year. He played in seven games uh, and averaged 167 yards per game. He didn't have any real turnovers, only the three interceptions um, with the 14 touchdowns, but his his production was, I mean, the lowest it's been of his career. But that's so the the yards per game, those per game numbers are spread over seven games, not the oh, now I see he started all seven of those games. Yeah, I want to look up his uh, his game. Uh, where is that? Because, I mean, if you essentially just doubled his stats, seven games, it's a little bit less than, well, now it's a 17-game season, so one and a half times. He's not not breaking 3,000 yards. So so his seven games uh, against uh, Green Bay, 14 for 20, 70% completion, 148 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Lowest completion percent of his career, too. That's wild. Uh, Carolina 11 for 22, 111 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. It's a really bad game. New England 13 for 21, 62% completion, 128 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, against the Giants 17 for 23, 74% for 226, one touchdown, no picks. Against Washington 15 for 30, 279, four touchdowns, one interception. Seattle. 19 for 35, 222, one touchdown, no picks. And then against Tampa, six for 10, 56 yards, one touchdown, no picks. He had one bad game last season. I'll take that. Like, yeah, he wasn't slinging the ball down the field, but he had one bad game. All right. I concede. You're probably right. Uh, The Giants, current quarterback room, Daniel Jones and Terod Taylor. Man, uh, I think that's the case of we have Daniel Jones for cheaper. We're moving is, on at quarterback. Is cheaper? He's still on his rookie deal. Yeah, but the, I is thought he? his rookie deal would be more than that. More than four and a half million dollars. Daniel Jones contract. Let's check it out. Spot track. Yeah, his current 2022. His, his Cap hit this year is eight point three six five. Only four four million in cash, though. A lot of that's uh, rollover. Yeah, but still, his but, cap hit this year is eight point four. Right, but it's, it's already count, It's already counting against the cap, so it's really just how much more cash do you need to. Regardless, so um, the more cash would be seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it's whatever. Um, yeah. I think the Giants are in a – our team fucking sucks. We don't have a QB answer. We need to start this whole shtick again before – like, Baker's not the direction they're trying to go. And again, like, I, it's just a – they need to get worse before they get better. Baker's kind of just treading water. I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'm not sure if the Giants are in that position. I feel like the Giants are going to still try to, to go for it this year. But I also don't know. East is a clusterfuck. So is the Giants. So who cares? Uh, after that, the Seahawks, Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Um, I'll tell you what. That honestly would have been a, a fairly okay team for this him to go to because he's going to be right in the thick of competition. I think it's no different than um, Carolina. Uh, and then I have I two more than, than we're done sure. here. The Commanders with Carson Wentz. A little bit of Carson Wentz insurance. And if they didn't just trade for him, if they traded for him last year, I'd say, okay. Time to hedge your bets on that one. I think from a front office perspective, trading for two quarterbacks in the same season gives uh, 
I was going to say it doesn't give a whole lot of hope to your fan base, but fuck, nothing you do gives hope to your fan base. Well, I mean, yeah, they're the commanders. Uh, the last team I have here, really, it wouldn't make a lot of sense, um, but it would be interesting, is Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. Let me explain. I'm intrigued. If... if if Brady were to retire, because he's also one of the few quarterbacks here on this list that we know is approaching the end of his career and has mm-hmm. said this will be his last season. You give Mayfield an extension for very not much money because he's at a low point in his career. So you do a sign and, and extend and give him a year to just sit behind Brady and see what he can absorb. I know what. it's not usually how it works and you can argue about the efficacy of it, but it would then give you a quarterback to go into next offseason with. See how you can improve. Because theoretically, you're going to be good enough that you're not going to be in a position to draft a quarterback. I actually like that a lot. I think if there's anybody that's going to fix the mental issues with Baker Mayfield, which I wholeheartedly believe that his struggles are like mindset, confidence, and just like a mental approach kind of issue, uh, it's Tom Brady. Hey, super fiery competitor that needs to rein it in. Who better to teach you how to do that than one of the best mental quarterbacks ever? Yeah. I like that. We'll never see it now, but. No, no, for sure not. It's a damn shame. What would be funny is if they ended up picking him up in the next offseason. Which would honestly, that's kind of a fairly great reason why, because it's, I doubt Carolina is going to try and re-sign him. You do well, have Tom Brady there. Yeah. It would be awesome to have him learn under Tom Brady, but he'll probably be free in nine months. What, which brings actually brings me back to, uh, brings us back to the Panthers. What do you think this means for Matt rule? This is going to be his third quarterback. And I'm not to say that 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 is a Matt Rule issue. It's a GM issue, of course, uh, to a large extent. But as I think we know, when it comes to NFL head coaching, it's a very transient position and roster success often gets pinned on head coaches as in addition to GMs in a decently unfair way. You can look at Todd Bowles. Uh, Adam Gase was not a good head coach, so him getting fired made sense too, but that Jets roster was bad. Um, I mean, look at a lot of bad teams just kind of in general, and a lot of times their head coaches will eventually get moved on from, even if the rosters are just garbage. Um, So you got to wonder, right, like what the, the lifespan is with like if they have a mediocre season, Mayfield's not great. They don't make the playoffs, but they play like, Oh, they played like, I don't know. They went like eight and nine. You keep a rule around for a fourth quarterback. This is going to be his like sixth quarterback to start under. him. Oh, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. Philip oh my Walker. God. I, yo, I did not realize that he was there at the, okay. All right. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater, Philip Walker, wow. Sam Darnold. Um, I think uh, Will Greer started for him. And then um, PJ Walker. Cam Newton, Cam Newton came back. Yeah, that's Philip Walker. Oh. Um, Cam Newton was five. Six is going to be Baker. And then they drafted a quarterback this year, too. Mm. That'll be seven QBs in the mix. And granted, seven like not great quarterbacks at, at least at this point in their career. Uh, oh my god, it's only his, this is only his third season. Or is he going yeah. to his fourth season? He's going into his third season. Because because part of the other thing with moving on from Baker at the end of the season is there there is a sense of alignment around change that is very particular with the NFL because it has these capstone positions, you know, like in the NHL, you don't bring in a new head coach just because you're changing at your goalie or your top line center. 
with baseball, you don't bring in a new manager when you change out your all-star center fielder or your top of the rotation ace. But in football, we do see coaches get new coaches get brought in during the quarterback acquisition period to have their guy or because the quarterback is going to change the dynamic nature of your offense. So they'll bring in a new head coach to fill in all the other um, coaching positions so that it can be a team full of their guys. It's a big my guy attitude. It's a room with guys. So to that effect, you also have to wonder how much pressure might be put around the guy theory um, with potentially moving on from rule in this next off season as well. If Mayfield doesn't pan, like, I don't want to say it's, it's, uh, it's like Mayfield gets extended. It's either they both stay or they both go, but man, it's going to be tough to see how much they invest in a quarterback after this season should Mayfield not pan out and yet also keep Matt rule around. I, I like Matt rule. I liked him obviously a lot more as a college coach. He actually went to Penn state too, you know, just another reason to like him. Um, but I don't, I don't see how he sticks around in Carolina. I think they got to just clear house and start over. Right. It, they have just made such a mess with both the front office this past year. And I mean, this past year, these past like three years and just what rule has not been able to show as a head coach. Uh, it's tough, man. They are, they are probably the worst situation in football right now, just from a entire team front office roster standpoint. You know, I picked the giants. Now, nah, because I at least have faith in Brian Dable being a, a pretty good coach moving forward. New coach, new GM. There's hope on that horizon. We have a history with what we have in Carolina, and it's not something I would want to be a part of. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, now, let's say Baker Mayfield kills it. Let's say uh, him and Rule just click the NFC out, NFC South. Shows some holes with Tampa Bay not being. Tom Brady dies. Just yeah, a horrible avocado related accident. Thirty pick Jameis again. Yeah, Atlanta is not a team to be scared of. Right, Um, and Baker goes out there and is a reason that they win, not just a reason that they don't lose. You know, Baker goes out there has a four thousand yard season, twenty eight touchdowns, nine interceptions you know, gets the job done, that type of shit. Um, what, what kind of trust do you put in? Like, how, what does a contract for Baker look like? Or like, uh, you know, what do you do? What do you do? You got to, at that point, you got to keep him, right? I he think a Tannehill? he would get, uh, unless he like, all right. So what was it? 24, nine for 4,000 yards. Yeah. Close enough. Some shit like that. That would be the second. That would basically be his uh, 2020 season with 500 more yards, where he went 26 and eight for 3,500. Sure. Um, Browns went 11 and five. If the Panthers go 11 and five with Baker doing that, you definitely have to give him a uh, uh, a contract. I think it might be like two or three years for like 25 million. I think it's going to be under 30, 30 and under. So I actually looked up my Tannehill. You know it might be more. Um, just to see what Tannehill has been doing. Cause Tannehill in my mind is, is that guy. He's not an exciting quarterback. Really? Um, he is the guy that is not losing you the ball. Your offense is not built around him. He he is a he's a playmaker in like the most um, toned down and efficient standpoint, and not the I develop plays kind of kind of way. Um, and if we look at his last few seasons in Tennessee, that's pretty much spot on. Honestly. Um, his most recent season, 3,700 yards, 21 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Um, he went 12 and five. 
and last year or in 2020, 3,800 yards, 33 and seven, um, which is also a really just, good season. Yeah. I mean, efficiency wise, that's just, that's just beautiful. That great ball protection. You'd love to see it. Team went 11 and five. So in the last two seasons, he's only lost 10 games, five apiece. And in, um, in 10 games in his first season in Tennessee, 2,700 yards, 22 and six, and 10 starts. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. If Baker can be the guy who's going to like, and not, neither of those are even 4,000 yard seasons. You know what I'm saying? It, it's really just like, I'm not losing the ball. I I'm, I'm getting the touchdowns on probably the plays that are just designed to be short. Like hey, if we're on, fucking first and eight let's just see what we got um I, i'm not aaron Rodgers throwing 40 yard bombs um and just otherwise the the passing plays are designed passing plays at to complement the run game that we have better established with christian mccaffrey uh speaking as a as a panther and just seeing what we can do um and i mean Let's just to take a peek. I, I pulled it up. I didn't actually look at it yet. Ryan Tannehill's current contract is in cash $29 million this year. When he signed with the Titans, it was a four year, $118 million contract. So, you, yeah, basically what you said, just under 30 mil. So, 29.5 with inflation in a, in a sports sense, which is contracts always get bigger. Um, for same performance age, those types of things. Uh, yeah, I think thirty million a year would be probably ballpark pretty good. Um, yeah, honestly, this contract, but slightly the... higher, would probably be perfectly what reasonable. Let's see, contract AAV. Of course, why would you give me any more than five? Then? Of course, of course. What? Okay, never mind. I'm not playing with this shit. Why are you like this? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, fuck it. Oh, well. Oh, my God. Ryan Tannehill has the largest cap hit in the NFL in 2022. 38.6 mil. Yeah. That's uh, three million more than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Doesn't even feel right, real. Let me let me look at AAV because that's that's crazy. Um, yeah, no, his AAV is twenty nine point five, which is a yeah. lot, but it's not. It's not it's next not to some of the other contracts we have, we have nowadays. So yeah. Aaron Rodgers is leading the field with fifty fucking million. Deshaun Watson number two. That's just fucking hilarious. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, 13th after the likes of Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, and Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah, I mean, Baker's current AAV is eight. To get in the top half, he would need to be making 14 mil. There's no way he makes under, if he puts up that season, he's not making under uh, 29 million. And that's exactly Ryan Tannehill. Only other guy that's close there is Jimmy Garoppolo with 27 and a half. Yeah. yeah. We did it. We solved the uh, crisis. Thank God. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, do you want to, do you want to take a guess at who the uh, lowest paid quarterback in the nfl is it's got to be a rookie right oh well no i'm sorry it's um i keep forgetting the nfl pays rookies so much more than everybody else uh carson wentz carson wentz is just not even close dude carson wentz we just talked about making 32 million dollars a year He's making 32 a year yeah yeah um but just just to wrap this up Shane Bouchelle, formerly of Texas and SMU, is the 112th highest paid quarterback in the NFL, good for dead last, making $660,000. I wish I could be considered number, broke making $660,000. Number 111, the second lowest paid at $677 million. You want to take any wild guess at who that would be? No, I have no clue. Gardner Minshew. 
He's an alive? Actual, an actual certifiable former NFL starting quarterback. I don't understand how he's getting paid that. Like, yeah, that's getting that's getting minimal. Gardner getting Gardner Minshew for what is essentially a tenth of what you're getting Baker Mayfield for, and you could have signed him in the offseason without, or I think you would have had to trade. But at the end of the day, you're not giving up a fourth round pick. Give me Gardner fucking Minshew eight days a week. That is such an insane value compared to Baker, who, if you get a starting quarterback from Baker Mayfield for $5 million, that's a great deal. But 600000 is asinine. I don't even know what to say. Yeah. I mean, the only other guys in his savings. area are Easton Stick, Danny Etling, Jake Browning, Bryce Perkins, Reed Sinnott, Nate Stanley, Jared Stedham, Fully Bitch. Like guys who have. We get it. You can make no up names. Chance. Yeah. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Uh, I actually um, stopped right before getting to Trace McSorley because I didn't want to. I, I couldn't badmouth that man. You can. I won't. Nah, that's different. Uh, all right, so uh, maybe last thing before we go, since again, it's going to be kind of a short one. Other things to do today. Uh, one one final thing on Baker Mayfield. Yeah, yeah. The Browns will be paying Baker Mayfield $588,235 to try and beat them in week one. I love that. It is really great. I wish my old company would also pay me to not work for them. Half a million dollars to try and be better than them yeah hell yeah yeah that'd be, that'd be, that'd be great would really appreciate it um any 500 million dollars will do mm-hmm. uh 500,000 i should say whatever uh all right so uh, other thing because it's a it's on a real topic um just because i saw that the white Sox got triple played which um is embarrassing in the way that they managed to get it done um Eight five, first one in history, because that's stupid. Is uh, there a non-embarrassing way to get triple played? Yeah, I mean, it, it happens all the time. You got runners on first and second. Hot shot to third base around the horn. Sucks, but man, what's anyone supposed to do? You know, but the the White Sox one was like everyone just temporarily forgot how baseball worked, which is um, embarrassing. And, you know, as it stands right now, once again, it is July 6th. Uh, the sh- sh- Chicago White Sox are three games under 500. And they have barely a better record, just slightly better record than the Baltimore Orioles. They are two and a half games better than the Baltimore Orioles for reference in a significantly weaker division. Now, they're not necessarily out of their playoff hunt. They're six and a half games back. That puts them uh, fewer games back than Philadelphia, for instance, by a half a game. Uh, And almost the same amount of games back as the San Diego Padres. So they can certainly make up the ground the back half of the season. We'll see. But you got to admit that for a team that was in a big win now push and brought in a manager that was highly controversial at the time of his hiring to steer the ship towards a big fancy win. Um, you know, a world series title, an experienced dude with a bunch of young bucks uh, is floundering. Floundering. Um, and you, you know, we see managerial turnover all the time in baseball for things that are not the manager's fault. But, man, it's tough to imagine what else is really different here. This is basically the same Chicago White Sox team that Tony La Russa had last season, which was the team he essentially inherited from Rick Renteria when he was shit-canned unexpectedly. Um, Renteria, who guided the team through, let's see, uh, 95 losses, 100 losses, and then all the way up to uh, 72 and 89 in 2019. And then 2020 managed them to second place in the AL Central, uh, 35-25 in the shortened season. So Renteria really brought them a long way, handed off La Russa 
the keys to the clubhouse. Larusa got them to 93 and 69. And then uh, they're only 28 losses away from matching their loss total of all of last year. Um, and it is the beginnings of July. And you got to wonder how long that old fuck stays around for. 38 and 41 in that shithole division. I just had to go back and double check to make sure I did not have any Chicago White Sox bold predictions because looking back at where I assume I was, you know, mentally going into the season, I was sure I was like, yeah, dude, the White Sox are, are going to be like real good this year. Like their pitching's young and pretty good. They've got all these young hitters. Like they've got like a real chance to like push into the playoffs this year. Like they're a contender. Um, fuck, they are very far from that right now. I'm not saying they can't get there. Just that as of right now, they are far. Um, so let's just uh really. Oh, dude. Just so many of my all give our, are bad. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not pretty. Uh, I had a number 11 on there, which I won't spoil that um, died almost immediately because um, that's how it usually goes. But I think we should all call our local congressman and ask uh, them to push to fire um, he who shall not be named uh, who is running that team. Because, I mean... Look, Cleveland has had a much better season than I think we all anticipated. They've gotten some really great production out of um, Jose Ramirez, which is to be expected, but also Josh Naylor has been great this year. Andre Jimenez is possibly going to be an all-star. Steve Kwan, as I know, cooled off a lot from his hot start, but has has been very good for the, the whole season. You know, they've, they've gotten good pitching from Shane Bieber and acceptable pitching from the rest of the rotation with a really great bullpen. So, you know, there, there's reason to look at Cleveland and feel some sense of pride. Like I'm not saying that they're a pushover, but for what Cleveland was last year and what we were expecting of them this year versus what Chicago was last year and what we were expecting of them this year, the fact that Cleveland is ahead of Chicago in the standings after 80 games into the year is, I mean, that's tough to swallow. And again, I'm not trying to say that everything lives or dies by the manager, but we know when we know that when we change managers in today's game, there are other things that change. It's not just making calls to the bullpen when we want them to get called into the bullpen. It's how we handle modern ways of conveying information and advanced information, advanced statistics to the players, how to understand how the ball spins when they throw it and what is the optimal way of doing that and what are small tweaks and changes we can make to create better pronation of of the finger to create different types of spin and different axes of spin. Like there's that type of stuff that might sound granular, but the whole idea of having a good coaching staff and a good managing staff is that they will make those, you know, more difficult concepts or things that are tough to explain on a scientific level, uh, which obviously I can't fucking do um, be more readily accessible and tangible to the players who actually have to do it. Right. There are layman's terms for everything. That's how we consume anything we consume. Right. So with LaRusa at the helm, you really have to wonder how much of that is happening. And in today's game, we're, almost all your competitors are doing it and you're not, you are willfully putting yourself at a competitive disadvantage. And I understand the idea of having a senior guy to write the ship uh, with a bunch of young dudes, uh, but it's not fucking working. You had a guy that the team really liked. And after you put enough players on the team who were good, that guy got some work done. Now what? I, I don't fucking know, man. I know I'm just. Gets- I'm looking. Sorry. I'm just looking through this team. They won 93 games last year. They went to the ALDS, got blown out, but they went to the ALDS, and then improved as a team going into the season with their young core only getting more experienced and better. And they have completely laid a fucking egg. Yeah. 
Like it's crazy. They have a five deep rotation that's been healthy. They have a top of the market closer. They have, you know, I'll be honest, they don't have a catcher, but they have a good infield. They have a good outfield. They have difference makers at every area. They have no right to be this fucking bad. And I know we say that every year about different teams that are underperforming, but this is insane how much they are underperforming. And, and when's it going to get better? How does it, how does it get better? It doesn't make it variable that can change for for batters. They have three players with over one war. That's it. Shit. Luis Robert has 1.5. Tim Anderson is 1.7 and Jose Abreu has two. That's it. It's fucking it. Holy shit. They have four players on the pitching side. Liam Hendricks with one. Johnny Cueto, who's I was a late acquisition, 1.5. Michael Kopech, 1.6. Dylan Cease, two. I, I mean, look, we can chalk some of this up to personnel. Sure. But like, if you're not adequately preparing players for what the opposition of pitching or hitting can do and what you can do as a player to better prepare yourself for what you're about to see, what you're about to do, then you're going to take steps back. It's just as plain as that. I'm not saying I guarantee you that's what's happening. Like I, I, I can't, none of us can, but something has shifted. And when you bring in a literal septuagenarian to lead a modern day baseball team, I mean, it seems to be the most likely thing that he'll going to go, what the fuck is a computer? Um, I'm going to go get drunk and drive places and then probably use slurs. So, I, I mean, it, it, it's Tony La Russa. I don't trust the Italians as far as I can throw them. So <laughs> I it just. They're probably better off. I know he gets uh, maligned a lot by Yankees fans uh, a lot less this season because the Yankees have been crushing. But the Boone things worked out pretty fucking well for him, which is bringing a young guy, a former player uh, and, you know, have a good head on the who has a good head on his shoulders and can listen to what the front office is saying. And not 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 in the puppety sense, but just to, you know, be on the same page, you know, like you don't want a guy that's going to fight back on every move you make. Cause then what's the point you want to be able to have a partner that can actually help advance a similar goal. So uh, you, you got to sit there and wonder, I know they did something similar a few years ago with Robin Ventura, but I, I mean, you got to wonder what, what is next for the, um, the white Sox. Cause I mean, on the other side of it, La Russa is rapidly aging out of a capability to do this job. Not from a technical standpoint, from like a health and just being alive standpoint. I, I, I mean, let's be honest. Every time I see a highlight with Tony LaRusso's face in it, I think that man is on death's doorstep. Yeah. Probably has been for a while. I'm sure if he wasn't a wildly wealthy, you know, man who cannot be touched by uh, whatever idiom you want me to use there. Um, hand of, I'm hand sure he does. Yeah. Just the dirty hands of the proletariat bourgeoisie. Um, like I'm sure he, he would have been gone already. He turned 78 this year. He'll turn 78 during the postseason. He looks 98. He looks so much. He's worse. not. He's not a good 78. No, 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 no. Like Mick Jagger is a good 78. Actually, how old is Mick Jagger? But he's got to be in his 70s. Yeah, but he's been preserved for years with all sorts of chemicals and drugs. So also um, 78. Wow. I'll be I'm honest. The nail on the head. I'll be honest. I saw my 94-year-old uncle this weekend who fought in World War II, and he looks better off than Tony La Russa. Which side? <laughs> he's from Germany. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. He was... 15 yeah but the you war know, ended. He, uh, he lived down in south america for a few years uh, uh, he knows spanish really well real well yeah 
but like, would it surprise you if you woke up the next, you know, like tomorrow and saw a news report about a 78 year old man who was in poor health dying just like at his home? That doesn't scream Dude, to me like a shock. Whenever, whenever somebody passes away and you see a headline for it, if their age is over 70, at no point do I think, oh, that's so sad. It's just, oh, that makes sense. That just makes what, sense. And again, I'm not saying that to be mean because that's that's the truth. Okay. Like Tony LaRusa looks like crap, is very old, and is running up against his life's expiration. Like not only at some point do you have to move on from him because he is not good at his job. At some point, you've got to say to yourself, this man is about to be in a coffin. Like we are we are months away from finding him in the clubhouse. <laughs> like, He's he is begging this team to win him a pennant. So they have something to drape over his coffin. At the end could of you ima- could you imagine the White Sox go 62 and 100 this year, lose 100 games. And the players have to find the Roos's body in the clubhouse. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in in the movie Major League, they have the pinup cardboard poster where every win they peel off a piece. Yeah. Every time they win a game, they get to put one more piece of clothing on top of his body. That's just sitting in the middle of the locker room. <laughs> Cover that fucker up, please. Win 100 games. Oh, they, they, they get mad and sort of throwing stuff on the field. Like, <laughs> grab Tony from the back freezer. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a living man, and we don't fucking care. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Uh, I fucking hate him. Oh, oh, man. The Browns should trade Deshaun Watson for Tony LaRusso because at least they'll be out of that hole sooner. <laughs> out of one hole and into another one. Am I right, folks? Oh. <laughs> oh. Man, I yeah. It. I love it, but I hate it. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I can't believe I didn't put a LaRusso based bold prediction in my bold predictions this year. I, that's why I was looking. I could have sworn I did. I, uh, yeah, I if really can't want, believe I didn't. If you want to add an, an 11th prediction of Tony LaRusso doesn't survive the season, I'll allow it. Oh, I had it in 2021. It. I had I'll that as 2021. Uh, uh, I won't include it. I'm going to keep mine true up, but uh, I will spiritually keep that 2021 bull prediction intact. Uh, all right. Hey, you got anything else before we go out on that super high note? No. All right, man. Well, uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at juicing pod. If you want to send emails to the show, you can do so at juicing the numbers at gmail.com. If you like to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin. Hell, to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D Tracy. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.